It's my pleasure to, to introduce and to pray for this morning um, one of my dearest friends, one of my uh, longtime friends. We've been friends since fifth grade, uh, Luis Rodriguez. And uh, um, Luis and his wife, Christine, they work at uh, Georgiana United Methodist Church um, down in Merritt Island. And uh, um, Luis is a very, very gifted um, worship leader, um, music minister, and, uh, and also... Um, uh, he was one of my first friends growing up who came to know the Lord. Um, and it, it really had a profound impact on me because I started to see Luis like sort of acting in different ways and sort of responding to God in different ways. And it was sort of confusing and mystifying to me and my other friends. Um, but it really ended up having an impact and I really grew to trust his counsel as a friend. Um, and uh, so, you know, Luis has been, has been wrestling with whether or not he's called to just kind of be a worship leader indefinitely as his career, or whether he's called to um, go into pastoral ministry in some sort of way. And I said, well, why don't you just come and preach, and I'll just throw you in the deep end in that way. <laughs> and uh, uh, no, so I was blessed that he, that he said he would, and um, it was a good excuse for him getting a Sunday off of work as well. And, and Christine, who's, who's the... Um, uh, director of missions uh, over at that church as well. So we've been blessed to be able to spend some time with some friends, and he's going to bring the word for us. So if Lewis could stand, and I'll say a word of prayer for him. Sure. I'm going to need it. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this brother. I thank you for the journey that your Holy Spirit has had him on uh, since we were young teenagers. And for all the fruit that you've borne in the hearts of your people, especially um, the fruit of increased love for you, increased intimacy with you, Father, would you help him to lead us in worship through your word during this time? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hello. <laughs> uh, good morning, and uh, on behalf of my wife, uh, we want to thank you for such hospitality and welcoming us into your community. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Taylor talks all the time about like this church plant, you know, that he's been doing and it's like this network of churches and this vision he's had. And so like I'm finally here to experience like what the fruit of that's been and it's awesome. So um, uh, the Lord has really taken us a long way uh, between you and Carissa and Aaron, our other best friend and I uh, in such a journey. And uh, it's been such a privilege to know Taylor uh, to be a, a great man of counsel in my time of need um, and in other, other friends of ours as well. So um, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so for 19 years, Taylor and I have been bonded in fellowship, not just in Christ, but also uh, because of our former passion for boy band music. <laughs> so, so much. Yeah. Oh, man, those are the days. <laughs> Uh, so much so that we dipped our feet in it and we started our very own uh, boy band in the 90s. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I gotta say, uh, Taylor's dance, dance moves were legit. <laughs> and uh, uh, Chris, can you run that video I brought? No. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just joking. <laughs> Man, you guys really want to see that. <laughs> okay, I will bring it next time. I was just messing. I, I wanted to tease them. 
Yeah, may, maybe next time. But, um, uh, but like Taylor said, my name is Luis, and I'm a worship pastor at Georgiana. Um, God called me to worship leading at a really uh, young age, and um, like I share with him and my wife often, uh, I can't remember a Sunday where I can just be a parishioner. So this is like a privilege. <laughs> Not have to like turn the lights on and the project, uh, projector and all that stuff. Like, so uh, I'm grateful to be here and to do all those things. Um, so uh, uh, like I said, uh, we, we're from Georgiana. It's a small church in Merritt Island and uh, we're part of a really great thriving community there. It's been such a blessing to work there. Um, I've never been a part of a, a church, uh, especially in the Methodist tradition that is so spirit filled, um, much like much like this place here, so uh, it, it's pretty awesome. Uh, so now I'm, I'm much more accustomed to singing than preaching, <laughs> so with God's grace, I hope uh, to bring the word in truth and also in love. Um, so in this morning's gospel reading, we heard the story of two disciples, um, the, the betrayer and the denier, and it kind of almost sounds like uh, a show on Fox, you know, this fall, <laughs> The Betrayer, you know, Sunday's at eight. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I find it interesting. Uh, of course, the gospel writers were just telling the story of, of Jesus in sequential order. Uh, but what a great tragedy that both um, disciples would be side by side in this story um, to, uh, for the readers to experience such an epic fail in Christianity, and you, like the betrayer, and right after in the, in the Bible, we have uh, Peter denying Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. So I find it actually interesting that, that they're both there. Um, as Andy Stanley, pastor at North Point uh, Church says in Georgia, he says this all the time, that time in erodes awareness of, time in erodes awareness of. Um, in other words, the time we spend in the text, hearing it over and over again, can actually erode our awareness of what it says because we're so familiar with the passage. So I want, want us to actually take a step back and kind of look at those two passages for the first time and see it with fresh eyes. Uh, so let's start with a little game. Uh, I call this game, uh, Guess the New Testament Character. Okay, so um, I'm going to describe a new, a new Testament character. It's gonna be a disciple and then I'll have you kind of guess who you think I'm talking about. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Here we go, so number one. I'm thinking of a disciple who wouldn't believe in the risen Jesus until he saw and touched for himself the scars on Christ's hand and the wound at his side. Who am I? Thomas. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, next one, number two. I'm thinking of someone who collected taxes before Jesus made him a disciple. Who would I be referring to? Matthew. All right, you guys are... You were great in Sunday school, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we probably have a lot of uh, PKs in here, right? <laughs> actually. Yeah, actually. <laughs> uh, okay, so last question. So this last trivia question. Um, we just heard the gospel reading. So imagine if we went out into the street right now and we all kind of just were polling people. We pulled someone aside and said, okay, we're going to describe to you the characteristics of this one disciple. And we want you to guess who you think we're talking about. Uh, who, who would they guess? So here, here are the clues. We're thinking, uh, we're thinking of a disciple who sinned against Jesus with his lips, uh, turned his back on Jesus, and, predi and Jesus predicted that this would happen. Who, what disciple would we be referring to? What would you say? Peter. Um, mm. That's a good answer. What would the majority of Americans, if you just pulled them in the street, would say? Judas. Yeah, they would say Judas. <laughs> you are smart. <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, I think people would be surprised to know that, uh, that it was actually Peter and Judas. Um, so I think because we know Peter ends up being restored by Christ, we usually don't read his denial with much righteous indignation as we do Peter's betrayal. I'm sorry, Judas's betrayal. Yeah. Uh, Judas is always given the short end of the stick when we think about like the epic fails of the disciples. He's the one who betrayed Jesus, we say. And you'd be right. Um, and yet, in today's gospel message, we heard the story, of two, uh, the story with two striking similarities. Both disciples, for example, sinned against Jesus with their lips. Judas with a kiss, and Peter with his horrible denial. And both disciples uh, turned their backs on Jesus uh, while in his presence. I mean, it's one thing to like sin against Jesus when he's not around, but to like betray and deny him in his presence, mass is wrong. Mm. It's all kinds of wrong. And lastly, Jesus predicted the epic fails of both disciples. We find that in Luke 22 and then John 13, 18, that Jesus knew Peter would deny him and Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. And furthermore, if we were reading the, uh, Luke's gospel for the first time, um, and didn't know the ending, you might actually expect Peter to be the one to betray Jesus. After all, Peter is the one who keeps missing the mark all throughout the New Testament. For example, in Matthew 14, we see Peter walking on water, and everyone's like, bro, you're doing it, you know? Uh, but then he begins to sink because he gets scared of the waves. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Oh, you of little faith, uh, why do you doubt? And in Mark 8.31, Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes Jesus, uh, to which Jesus replies, get behind me, Satan, uh, because Peter didn't want to accept that Jesus was saying, I'm going to be arrested. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die uh, for the sins of many. And Peter wasn't having it. Um, and finally, having heard everything Jesus said about turning the other cheek and praying for your enemies, in John 18, Peter is the one who takes out a sword and strikes the servant of the high priest, cutting his, off his ear in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I'm sure that if, the, if Jesus said in the upper room that night, one of you would betray me, and one of you will deny me. Um, oh, I lost my place. Where, where's, where's Grace Jesus, where is it at? Um, one of you would betray me, and one of you would deny me. I think all the disciples would have said, well, we know who's gonna deny you, Jesus. Uh, come on, bro, you know it's you, Peter. Uh, but uh, after all, Judas was uh, the one that was so trusted uh, that he was in charge of the money, uh, which, which we know that in John mm -hmm. 13. Uh, he was never rebuked uh, the way Jesus rebuked Peter. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when Jesus says in the upper room that one of you will betray me, the disciples have no clue who Jesus is talking about. Mm -hmm. They're actually dumbfounded and they start saying, is it going to be me, Lord? Is it me? Uh, so Peter wore his personality on his sleeve. Um, but he always, and he always put his foot in his mouth. But Judas was, uh, I think, a real, true Greek actor putting on a face. Mm -hmm. So let me get this straight. They both walked with Jesus. They saw and, uh, thousands fed, hundreds healed, demons cast out, and still betrayed and denied Jesus in his presence, no less. I'm like, are you kidding? When I read the passages, I'm like, how can you be so dumb? You know, like you saw all this cool stuff that we're just like, if only we would have been there, you know? So what's going on? What is it going to take? What else could Christ have done to solidify the faith of these 12 men? Well, I actually think that uh, we're asking the wrong question there, that I was asking the wrong question. 
much like the famous JFK speech, it's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Upon studying these passages leading up to today, I, uh, I came to understand that just being in the presence of Jesus doesn't guarantee faithfulness. Observing miracles doesn't mean you'll be all in either. And believing that he is the Messiah is not enough to keep one grounded in, in our faith. After all, the scriptures tell us, even the demons believe and they tremble. And that blessed are those who believe but did not see. And lastly, that only a wicked and adulterous generation ask for a sign. So being in the presence of Christ and witnessing miracles didn't compel Judas to surrender his heart. And just because he may have performed signs and wonders as a follower doesn't mean he was fully devoted, which Matthew 7.22 talks about. It's not what Jesus can do for you to solidify your faith, but what will you do with Jesus? Most may be willing to call him teacher like Judas, but it takes a surrendered heart to call him Lord. That, I believe, is the difference between Judas and Peter. In a lineup, we would both say they were both disciples, but Jesus alone would be able to see their hearts and where they really were at. One was reckless but surrendered, and the other had a great outward appearance, but his heart remained unchanged. I've been a student of Christian apologetics now for about two years. Uh, Christian apologetics is uh, the study of presenting historical, reasoned, and evidence-based arguments for Christianity, defending it against objections, and... Um, the scripture that all apologists usually refer to as like the biblical mandate for apologetics, like this is where it comes from that we should be doing this, is uh, 1 Peter 3.15, which says this. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you uh, for the hope, the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, if we as Christians have not set apart Christ as Lord, everything we do for the kingdom is powerless. If we share the gospel, but don't live transformed lives, no one will care what we say. We'll be like the Pharisees uh, when Jesus refers to them as whitewashed tombs, right? We'll be like very clean on the outside, but decaying on the inside. So where do some of the things we can learn about both of these disciples from this story? The first thing I would say is that the condition of your heart matters to Jesus. Uh, Peter may have had tons of blunders along the way, uh, but his heart was uh, surrendered to Christ. Uh, what matters is not how many times you failed, as we can see with Peter. What matters is what happens after we fail. Peter messed up tons of times in the New Testament, but the difference between Peter and Judas is the repentance that occurred afterward. Three years Judas was, was with Jesus, and I think in God's mercy, he had three years to be uh, in community with Christ to make him Lord of his life. So many opportunities, seeing all these people fed, all these people healed, uh, uh, and yet uh, in his heart, Christ only remained uh, just a teacher. And the second thing I think we can learn from this gospel passage is that our lack of perseverance in Christ uh, could actually cost us opportunities to minister to people. So like, what do I mean by that? Well, if you remember when Peter was sitting by the fire um, in that passage that Taylor read, um, three times people came up to him and said, uh, hey, you were one of his disciples. And he was like, man, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. You know? <laughs> and then after the third time, the rooster crowed. But imagine if Peter had listened to Jesus in the garden when Jesus said, stay awake and pray 
that you will not fall into temptation when the time of trial comes. Mm. What would have happened had he listened to mm -hmm. Christ and then been in that situation? Mm. And I think there's a couple scenarios that could have been plausible. Um, so I think it maybe could have gone something like this. Hey, that, this man was also with him, to which Peter would have replied, as a matter of fact, I was with him. Not only am I a disciple, but they call me Peter the Rock, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and to which they might have replied, well, if you're truly a disciple, looking around, can, can you come into my house and heal my sick baby? You know, we're, we're here and we're arresting him, but I have some sick people at home and they can show you some healing. Or, uh, hey, can you uh, teach us how to pray like he taught you guys how to pray? Um, and can you tell us about this kingdom that he spoke of? I really think that that night could have been different. Maybe the rooster would have crowed in the midst of Peter sharing the kingdom, healing the sick, and ministering to the poor. And I think, wow, what a sight that Christ could have witnessed, right? While he's being interrogated to turn and actually see Peter ministering to people, regardless of what would happen. Now, odds are he probably would have been arrested and there would have been four crosses at Golgotha, you know? Um, and, uh, and like Taylor said to me last night while we were talking, um, he could have been known as like the only disciple to have gone that far to be crucified with Christ. Like what a privilege. Of course, not a privilege at the time, you know, we're, we're all like, man, Peter got the, the short end of the stick there. But um, I mean, no one would have questioned uh, the breadth of his commitment to Christ uh, to go all the way. Um, so uh, I think uh, there's a lot to be learned from that passage. So now in the past, I've actually read uh, this, uh, the New Testament thinking to myself, man, I can't believe Judas betrayed him. Uh, what an idiot. <laughs> How could the disciples have abandoned him? How could they have denied him? As Ron Weasley says in Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets, when referring to some absent-minded Slytherin students, how thick can you get? <laughs> I love, uh, that's my little uh, shameless plug for Harry Potter. <laughs> At this point, we would usually think things like, if I were one of the disciples, I never would have betrayed him, right? If I was there, I never would have abandoned him. And furthermore, if I was there, um, I never would have denied him either. But upon further reflection, I don't know that we would have fared any better. How often have we, in our hearts, led a mob to Jesus and kissed him on the cheek and said, Rabbi, so that the dark recesses of our hearts could take him away uh, to make room for our sinful desires. How often as American Christians have we so easily abandoned Christianity in the face of rising social pressure today to be seen as tolerant and inclusive, forsaking truth for the sake of love? And finally, how often have we denied Jesus when we have failed to see him in the needs of the hungry, in the uh, naked, and the sick? using our, the busyness uh, of our hurried lives uh, as excuses as for why we don't have time. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me, says the Lord. Now, it may very well be the case that the disciples are looking down at us and saying, how thick can you get? So how do we avoid betraying Jesus like Judas? And how do we avoid denying him like Peter? When trials come our way, what are we to do? Well, in our darkest hour, I believe prayer is our ally. In the darkest moments of Gethsemane, Jesus didn't say, stand up, uh, wake up, and fellowship with one another. And he didn't say, stay up, 
and recite the scriptures. And he also didn't say, stay up and experience my presence. No, in that darkest of hours, the most important thing Jesus encouraged his disciples to do was to stay up and pray. And yet, when life hits us with trials, we often want to turn away from God and cast blame on him uh, for allowing us to experience hardship, right? Most of the time, what we see in America is tons of people running from God uh, because they say, why? Why would you allow me to go through this? But Jesus says, no, in your darkest hour, you need to be in communion with the Father, not out of it. Last week, Taylor actually gave us uh, four benefits of prayers. I greatly enjoyed uh, listening to your sermon uh, in preparation for mine. And Taylor said a couple things about prayer that I actually want to touch on real quick. He said, firstly, that prayer protects us from temptation. And secondly, that the posture of prayer matters. Uh, he also said last week that we should persevere in prayer and that pers uh, perseverance is an outward demonstration of an inward faith. And fourthly, that prayer conforms our will to God's plan. So we saw from Luke's gospel today that neither Judas nor Peter were consistent in their discipline of prayer, right? The Judas wasn't even at the garden and Peter was asleep. Uh, he must have had a big dinner. Uh, but, <laughs> sorry, I, I, this just came to my mind. And I just want to say. <laughs> yeah. That's how this thing works, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Tangents galore, man. Um, P.T. Forsyth says this about prayer. He says, prayer is to religion what original research is to science. Prayer is to religion what original research is to science. So in other words, it's indispensable, right? You can't have science without data, and you can't have religion without prayer. Uh, so let me begin drawing this sermon with a close by saying this. Jesus really is the great physician, but he never forces the medicine down our throats. It's up to us to take two and call him in the morning. Just like the early disciples, a spirit of surrender is what is required to embrace the great physician and trust that his remedies are true. It's not enough just to be in his presence or witness miracles or even perform them like Peter and Judas did. What matters most is what we do with the invitation to make him Lord of our lives. One thing my wife will tell you is that I hate taking medicine. I, I do, with a passion. I'll ask my doctors, is there any way that you can treat this without me having to take medicine? And the answer is always the same, no. There's no way, bro, you need, you need to take these. And uh, if they obliged me, they really wouldn't be good physicians. Um, and a good friend of mine who's actually a, a podiatrist back home um, used to say to me all the time, uh, whenever I talk about like, um, you know, not wanting to take meds and you know, kind of wanting to go my own route. He would say, Luis, just because you visited WebMD doesn't mean you're a doctor, bro. <laughs> right? Because how often do we get right, the remedy from people who know what they're talking about, and yet you know, we kind of want to go our own route, be like, well, I read online. You know? And I think spiritually we can do that too. We can hear from the Lord, and he could say to us, you know, this is what you need from me. And we can go, I don't know, Lord, I read online. You know, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create my own remedy. Uh, and I think we'll, we suffer even more uh, when we don't just allow the authority of Christ to write that prescription spiritually that he knows is going to heal us in the way that we need to be ministered to.
Um, so yes, we have to trust that the great physician knows what he's talking about. So when Jesus said in the garden, stay awake and pray that you will not fall into temptation, when the time of trial comes, we shouldn't take it as a suggestion. If we allow our flesh to be weak, we're just one decision away of being a, a betrayer or a denier. And our great physician has given us all the remedies I think that we need to be steadfast and to be surrendered and to be sanctified in Christ. So where is your heart this morning? Have you set apart Christ as Lord? No one wants to be known for their most epic fail like Peter and Judas. So do we allow despair to overtake us in our moments of failure and be left to our own devices uh, of self-destruction? Or do we allow the Lord to restore us to himself when he says to us over and over again when we fail to come back to him? Come back to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me. So I pray that we would not rest on our own despair in our time of trial, but that we all would rely and be restored to Christ like Peter. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.